2: Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. It's a gray, overcast, chilly evening here in Indianapolis. And if I had to describe the weather and put it in terms of a football game, this is the kind of weather that is the Iowa-Indiana game that was uh, last week just gross and disgusting and not at all welcoming. Uh I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. TJ Inman will be along with us shortly. We will break down Indiana's ugly loss to Iowa, a 42-16 defeat on homecoming. Indiana hasn't won a homecoming game since 2010. Uh, We'll have an airing of grievances uh, and a uh, festivus-type feel to this uh, this podcast, TJ. Uh, and, And we'll get off on that before. Going to uh, preview the Penn State game, TJ. How are you on this dreary Monday evening?
1: Yeah, uh, from a from a personal standpoint, just perfectly fine. From a, a IU football standpoint, obviously um, things have been better. They have uh, they have been better. You know, Saturday was a um, a familiar feeling for Indiana football fans. Uh, a game that we you know, we're really excited about. It It was a big opportunity, and, uh, you know, the ending was – the the entire afternoon really was kind of one punch in the gut after another. So uh, a feeling that, uh, honestly, we are all too familiar with.
2: Yeah, it was an ugly game uh, from the start, and there's a lot to to be concerned about. Uh, And it's not only on – on the field things, it's off the field things as well. Saturday was my mom's annual trip out to Bloomington to go to a game, so I sat in stands for the first time all season. Uh, you know, a little background on that: I came to Indiana University as a student in 2005. I've been going; I went to the bucket game in '03 and '04, uh, so that really started. You know, my love affair with Indiana football. Uh, and, and that, so every year my mom comes out for a game. My dad passed away in 2005. Uh, he went to that last Kentucky game and things like that. So it, it's a, it's a tradition for her to come out and go to a game. So I sat in the stands on Saturday and while it was a gorgeous day, beautiful weather, you know, the takeaway from the game. And, and if you just put the game aside for a second, and just focus on the, the game day atmosphere. You, you could have had the best game day atmosphere the, on planet Earth, and and um, and the game would have ruined that. But taking the game out of it, uh, the game day atmosphere around Bloomington has changed so much, and it's changed for the worse. And it starts with ticket pricing, uh, the tailgate atmosphere, the in-game entertainment, the pregame, you know, routine by the band, it's, you know, it, to steal a term from my dad, it's tired. Uh, the the whole act is tired. And, you know, seven, charging people $70 a ticket uh, to go in uh, to watch a Big Ten game when the stadium's half full is embarrassing at best. Uh, there There's no creativity from the ticket sales department. Uh, I'm working on an article, TJ, now. It's, it's going to be a, a long article, uh, but I was researching ticket prices around the Big Ten, particularly at Purdue, and the first thing that pops up is, bam, flash sale. You could get a ticket for Iowa and the Wisconsin game for $50. Uh, so you get a ticket to two games for 50 bucks. Uh, so if you're going with your significant other, a buddy, whoever, it's $100. You get two games to, to two of the biggest Purdue games of the year uh, in Iowa and Wisconsin to, to see who's going to win that Western division. And you, see, you go to the IU website and there's nothing. It's $70 to, to go to Penn State next week. It is probably, you know, it's $70 to go to Maryland and it's $70 come to the bucket game if you want to cut your thanksgiving uh weekend short now it's ten dollars for kids and ten dollars for college students that's fantastic uh but seventy dollars it's just way too much uh to sit in in the wings of an empty memorial stadium Uh, there's just no creativity in how they do things uh with their ticket pricing and it's you know it's filtered down And, and to go on to tailgating. Uh, we, we have a group that that we tailgate with uh, and and friends uh, of of the site and show and, and things like that. And they've been tailgating there for years uh, and, and have a tradition. And that back parking lot is is empty. And, and probably the, the people who are making out the best are the church across the street because IU sold out presale surface parking. Those people don't show up until 45 minutes before the game and that parking lot at the church which I TJ I believe you park at uh during games uh-huh. is packed packed with tailgaters packed with atmosphere packed with people who want to be there and would add to that and and IU is is driven them across the street uh, and things like that so you know as bad as the IU football team was on the field and they were awful on Saturday uh the athletic department has totally sucked the air out of going to an IU football game. And I didn't get to tailgate that much. I, I wasn't dragging my mom, who's uh, in her 70s, down to, to tailgate for a noon game at 7 in the morning. I, I, I don't do that to her anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, it's you know, it's there's no music playing. There's nobody barbecuing. You don't get the smells of a game day. And what was once a, a really, I, I wouldn't say great, but it was a really solid uh, tailgate Saturday in Bloomington has become uh, maybe boring at best. There's no music, no smells, no atmosphere, no games, nothing. Uh, It's become boring at best. And and it's really affecting those, you know, the atmosphere around the stadium. Uh, And it's not even before you go into the stadium, when you go into the stadium and you see a half full crowd and the band comes out and they play the alma mater song, which is a super slow song, and follow that up with Back Home Again in Indiana, which is another super slow song, just doesn't fire people up. And that's my biggest thing is if you're, you know, do college football the right way. Either sing your alma mater at the beginning or the end of the game, uh, or, you know, pick one. You could sing Back Home Again in Indiana at the end of the game too but you can't do both two times in a row. It's You're putting people to sleep. Uh, it was actually really cool to do back home in Indiana again when it was sold out and the students were singing at Ohio State, but when that stadium's half full and you play those two slow songs back-to-back, it is absolutely killing the atmosphere uh, for those in there. The in-game stuff is, is – and I don't want to disrespect minor league baseball, so I'll call it semi-pro – Uh, maybe some beer league softball antics uh, and things with the catch the punt with the helmet on, which people couldn't catch the punt. So they took the face mask off the helmet and, you know, finally the guy caught it on on his third, third try, Uh, the bubble race, all these things have got to go. There's too many ads. Uh, You don't get to see the out of count scores all that much. There's no stats. They put in this beautiful ribbon board, and said they were going to. They did that to put up game stats and all that stuff. And every time I look at the scoreboard and the ribbon board, there's no stats. There's, you know, how much trash they collected at the last game, or a, a Ken Nun uh, ad, or something else uh, um, that's just going on Red and on. And Five. Yeah, that's it. Whatever it is that they're selling, it's on the stadium. And I get it. I get you have to make money and ads but you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth like that. Uh, and the athletic department and the university are so against selling alcohol at the game uh, as a re- source of revenue, and they know they have to. Uh, it, that they, they're It's like going to a website and 8,000 pop-up ads uh, come up, and, it, and it's distracting to the game. It ruins the atmosphere and all that stuff. Sell beer, and if you're really dying for money, suck it up and put field goal nets in and put the All-State thing on there and they, they'll donate to your general scholarship fund as well. Uh, so it, it's you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth on that the The, the races are dumb and childish, uh, and you know just it, it is not a, a college football atmosphere. The band doesn't play as much anymore, which is a shame because they're actually a really good band. Uh, it, you know they need to play some new stuff, but they're a really good band they don't play anymore. You have to pick a song and that's basically it. Uh, you know, the halftime show is not even worth staying, staying around for in your seat uh and, and all that stuff. And then in between timeouts, I get, you have to honor uh, your eye association people and, and big time donors. And you want to promote your other sports teams and things like that. But man, you gotta, you gotta do something to pump up the crowd, and and then to top it off, TJ, this is the worst. This might be the worst idea in the history of ideas. Is uh, the oblivious camp? If Indiana wasn't, you know, people think Indiana's a joke, and and they have every right to do so. But man, Indiana can't make fun of itself. You can't have an oblivious cam that goes around searching for fans who are not paying attention. Talk about, you know. Cutting off your nose to spite your face—that—that—that's a terrible idea. And whoever came up with that—I mean, my goodness—can you not come up with anything better? Do an out-of-town scoreboard update. Throw some highlights on of George Taliaferro, who passed away, who they honored on Saturday. You know, maybe you know, go around to alumni and ask what they thought of George Taliaferro, and play that in between timeouts uh, to, to do the oblivious cam. Uh, With whoever was running it, whether I think it's Lara Overton or somebody uh, who's a local news person as well, it's just awful. And that to me, like that to me, is why it's not why they lost. But I am so upset, and I haven't even talked about how bad the game was already yet. And and it's just you know, it's those things. Uh, the dank bathrooms they still have the troughs and all that stuff and as it, nice it is to get to to the clothes in stadium it, it, the, the game day experience at IU it's just so bad and it's boring my mom left around again and you know it's boring I mean she loved watching the band after the game and and things like that but it's boring and I was, you know I was, he was sitting there going what, what do you do uh, but anyway, that's my 10-minute rant on that, TJ. Let's get down to the game. Uh, initial thoughts on, on the loss to Iowa. Uh,
1: you know, we we said in our pregame podcast uh, that, you know, Iowa had, I called them the best tight end duo in the country. Uh, and so I feel like I gave them an ample amount of respect, uh, and then they you know, they looked even better. IU made them look even better than they, uh, than what I was pumping them up to be. You know, Noah Fante and TJ Hawkinson—they uh, killed IU. It, they absolutely eight ca-
2: catches, um, like 210 yards and three touchdowns, and and a lot yeah, of them were it, it, seemed to be uncontested.
1: Yeah, it seemed like any time they were even targeted, which I know this wasn't the case. There were a couple times they were targeted that it didn't work out, but. It seemed like any time they were targeted, it was a huge play for Iowa, uh, and that that shouldn't happen. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's not like these two players were a surprise to Indiana. I am a hundred percent sure that they were the focus of the scouting report, and it, it didn't matter. Um, I mean, Nate Stanley, while a a good quarterback, you know, and I I said that I, I compared him to brian Workey, uh perhaps a little bit uh, better decision making and a little bit less of a running threat um and they made nate stanley look like a you know heisman contender i mean he was uh he was very good i think it is important to give iowa credit because they played fantastic football uh they they really did have a tremendous game and um to be honest I'm not sure if Indiana played like a A minus game on Saturday, which they certainly did not. But I'm not sure that even if Indiana did in Iowa on Saturday, uh, the Hawkeyes no, were you really feel, really good. Yeah,
2: but you feel a lot better if this game oh, is sure. you know no, 42 35. Yeah. Indiana came out and pulled oh, out their their worst game in the last three or four years, yeah. and they they I, probably I, you don't beat anybody with that effort on Saturday.
1: No. I a hundred percent agree with that. I just I wanna give credit to Iowa. I don't wanna um just you know, say that this was all um just an Indiana crap fest, which it was, but uh, the Hawkeyes deserve credit and they're you know, perusing their uh their fan site um on S B Nation after after the game, looking at some of their recap stuff. Uh a lot of people on there felt like it was, you know, one of the better games that Iowa's played. In recent memory, you know, maybe uh, the only one that was mentioned consistently ahead of it was uh, their shellacking of Ohio State last year. So uh, I think it's very possible that Iowa was actually the best team in that division. We'll see how that plays out. But, um, you know, from an IU standpoint, uh, pretty much nothing went right. I thought that Hayden Whitehead actually had a pretty good game punting. Um, never good. That's
2: <laughs> never that, good. That. That's about all
1: that I can. No, no, but that when you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel to come up with a positive, that's one I can find. Um, from a coaching standpoint, um, I'm just really confused with the offensive play calling. Um, is the game plan so conservative because of a lack of trust in Peyton Ramsey's arm? Uh, if so, why is Michael Penix not playing? Um, is is it just a philosophy that they have that they're not going to take chances on offense? They're not going to be creative. Uh, I, heck, if I know the answer at this point, but uh, it's just incredibly bizarre to have a game planning against Ohio State, which was I thought pretty darn good for the most part. Uh, you know, aggressive downfield passing mixed in with some creative play schemes, um, you know, and we, we gave the coaching staff credit for that when it happened. You know, we, we were asking for it, and we saw it on, on Saturday against Ohio State two Saturdays ago, uh, and it looked it was fun. And then against Iowa, it was basically the exact opposite. Indiana took pretty much one downfield shot uh, when the game was actually in any type of question, and that was the tie for I-Fogle, and guess what? It was a touchdown. Um, I just continue to not understand, uh, and it's not like, you know, this is new complaining from us. We have talked about this consistently. Some of your well, best We, players never, compl- are we never complain
2: about anything, TJ, never.
1: Well, yeah, I guess that's the narrative too. But, you know, Donovan Hale, Nick Westbrook, uh, and you know, I think Ty Freifogles look pretty good too. You know, those are some of your best offensive weapons, certainly, uh, and some of the best players on the team, and they're, they're a mismatch problem for college secondaries because of their size. And yep. it, it's not being exploited. It's just not. I, I You know, in college, and really we're seeing this a lot in the NFL too, it doesn't make sense to me to not take deep shots. The reward is so much greater than the risk. I don't understand why you wouldn't do it consistently. Uh, I'm not saying every down, you chuck it. Consistent part of your game plan, and it's not with Indiana. Uh, no, and as that's a something. Result, the running game, yeah, as a result, the running game is completely suffering because defenses know hey, we don't have to worry about having a deep safety. We can creep up, put eight guys in the box, and, and very few teams can run it successfully when there's no respect for the vertical passing game. Very few teams. Indiana is one of those that falls into the, you know, vast majority that cannot in that situation. Um, you can blame Indiana's offensive line if you wish. That's, that's fine. But I happen to think that the game plan is setting them up for failure. Uh, and, again, is that a result of a lack of belief in Peyton Ramsey's arm strength? Well, maybe it is. That would make sense if so. But if that's the case, why aren't we seeing Michael Penix? Who has demonstrated in limited viewing uh, that he does have the arm strength to to make the vertical passing game a threat i don 't know the answer to that question. we don't know the answer to that question, uh, but it's certainly frustrating. Switching over to the other side of the ball again, we family look. I thought I used run defense was good on Saturday uh, but Ooh, you know, well, yeah, I disagree I was run game well, I was run game is is bad. Um, and, and the running defense well, – look, maybe I'm just saying it, it looked good because of how bad the pass defense looked. I, maybe that's – Maybe,
2: but uh, it was
1: – it yeah, seemed I, that Iowa,
2: at least in the run game, was getting four, five, six yards on first down, especially with uh, the wide receiver, Sergeant moving to the backfield and playing, running back, going up the middle. It seemed like he was getting 10 yards uh, every time up. And, you know, there were just – no negative plays. They got, you know, one sack, a couple tackles for loss, but every time it was second and 5 and and third and 2 and things like that and you're they they converted 8 out of th- 8 out of 12 third down. So, you know, it's the first down yeah. defense is, is is awful and it kind of reminded me of the, the 2015 IU defense—it's like they're reverting back to that Brian Nord defense where they have spurts where they get a few stops in a row uh, and try and get the offense back into it, but they don't have that. The offense—they don't have—they have the weapons because I—I—I I, I will take Nick Westbrook, Donovan Hale, Ty Vogel, and, and Luke Timmy, in any day of the week. Um, but yeah. it's you know, and IU's run game. They only ran the ball with the running back, I think, 11 or 12 times, and they got four, four-and-a-half yards of carry and then just totally abandoned yep. it. Uh, and that's something that Mike DeBoard, I asked today, how do you become not one-dimensional? And he said, well, we ran the ball well. Well, if you're – and all credit goes to Ken Bikoff because we talked about this at length after the press conference. Uh, it, he goes, you know, why, why don't you run the ball more? And, you know, the, yeah. I, asked, I asked Tom Allen today uh, about, you know, he wants uh, – he preached being aggressive on defense, aggressive as a program, and it's just so odd that they're not aggressive on offense. And how do you get that aggressive mindset to the offensive side of the ball? He said he challenged the guys in that regard. Uh, he gave credit to the defense. Uh, that, that that had a lot to do with it. They, they want to control the tempo. Uh, which you, you can't do if you're not getting first downs uh, they're you know, they want to push the envelope with tempo and creating big plays, which fantastic. If you want to, if you want to create big plays, you got to throw the ball deep or you've got to get the guy in there yep. and p- put the ball on somebody quickly to where that receiver can make plays Two plays stand out to me. Um, and, and there might've been a third uh, with throws that, while they were completions and, and people will fall in love with Peyton Ramsey's completion percentage and quarterback efficiency rating. I just were bad throws. Uh, There was a play where Reese Taylor had to dive uh, for a ball where if you put it on him, he gets at least five yards, uh, maybe more, maybe even a first down A, a throw to Donovan Hale that, that hung up there forever. And he takes a big shot to the side. Uh, on a high throw, another ball to Luke Timian, uh, which is, uh, you know, he fit it into a window, but Luke Timian gets rocked uh, right on the sideline. It's, these are the little plays that sure. If you want to throw five yard outs and and five yard crossing patterns and let your playmakers play, make plays, then do it. But you got to put in the guy who could get the, the ball there before the defender. You can't, you can't make a play with a guy hanging on your back. You're, you're just not, it's not going to happen. Nobody is, you know, Captain America or the Hulk who could just shed guys like that. If they were, they, they'd be playing in the NFL right now. Uh, but that, that to me Bob is
1: girly be. But
2: he's in the NFL. <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. know, these things, you got to get the ball to receivers quicker, get it out quicker. And Peyton Ramsey to me, You know, And I asked another question. He's thrown seven interceptions, which, if you take out Orko Sikowski and Rutgers, is the worst in the Big Ten. And he's tied with, like, three other guys. But Rutgers, the guy at Rutgers has 15 interceptions. And sure, people are going to say, well, he's the true freshman. This is the danger of playing a true freshman. Well, at least they're playing their young guy. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. Allen's message to the team in picking a quarterback this offseason was, well protect the ball. Protect the ball. That's the most important thing. It's not turning over. Well, your quarterback has seven interceptions and has lost a couple fumbles. So what's you know, that that's nine. And he scored I think thirteen or fourteen touchdowns, twelve through the air, a couple on the ground. It's it's the point where, you know, this might be the hill that Allen picks to to, to 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 die on. And if if that's the case And I like Tom Allen, but you got to, you know, he said, well, Penix is going to play. He's got two games to play with. He's definitely going to use it, take advantage of those two games. I don't know when he's going to play and all that stuff. Well, stop playing for 2021. Stop with this roster management nonsense of you want two guys, you know, two years apart and stuff like that. If he's, you know, you got to play him. Your offense got 16 points last week. I think they're averaging somewhere, they're averaging 26.1 points uh, per game overall this year, and and in Big Ten play, they're averaging fewer. So your offense is dead in the water. You can't get the run game going. I don't want to hear about completion percentage and, and passer efficiency rating and all that stuff. This offense is dead in the water. And it needs a spark. And they had a players-only meeting – or not a players-only, a players-led meeting uh, this morning before practice. And I, I will bet anything that half of that frustration inside the players and, and maybe some coaches is that you're the guy with the cannon left arm is sitting on the bench with a towel over his head. And uh, it's you know not fair to these seniors – to let a guy with that talent just ride the bench all week uh, when they put so much into this program that they deserve a shot to go to a bowl this year, not in 2021 uh, when they're off doing their own thing, and not in 2020 or 2019. They deserve their shot this year. They've you know poured their blood, sweat, and tears uh, into this program, and you have your your most talented arm on on the bench and it it just boggles my mind because they say one thing and do another and and i i don't get it anymore and it's confusing And, and going back to the defense tj uh it seems like the secondary has hit a wall uh and there's a lot of young guys playing and playing in in you know these big games against bigger teams uh, for the first time. And, and high school ball is usually wrapping up around them now for some of these guys and they're pushing their bodies further than they've been pushed before. So that kind of buys into this. I, I had another theory where yeah, the second there is getting more interceptions. They're a little bit more aggressive going after the ball, but they're also susceptible of getting burned a lot more. And maybe that plays into that and, and things like that. So th- this defense Overall, they did not play well. They did not tackle well. And your best players have to play well. And you look at a guy like Marcelino Ball. He's a freshman All-American, you know, coming off yeah. of a knee injury or leg injury last year. He had a bad game. And hes I want to say yep. he's having a bad season. Uh, he hasn't been really a factor uh, all year in terms of being the fourth that he was his freshman season. Uh, getting takeaways and uh, TFLs and things like that. Uh, but your best players have to play well. And they're just not doing that. And Jonathan Crawford, as well, he did have that interception called back. But, you know, how many times over the last two weeks have we seen him get beat by a, a receiver uh, downfield? Now, Marcelino does have 30 tackles and five tackles for loss, uh, but only one pass breakup. Uh, one force fumble. So he's not the force that he was before. Uh, Jonathan Crawford has 34 tackles. And, you know, you'll see your your leading tackles, Damian Willis. You have a, a lot of freshmen up there and, and young guys, Raheem Lane, T.D. Roof, Juwan Burgess. Uh, you know, Andre Brown hasn't been playing well. He's an upperclassman that you thought would play well uh, and, and things like that. And injuries have taken a toll. Uh, missing Jacob yeah. Robinson as a leader of that defense really hurts. They should get him back this week. Missing Coy Cronk on the offensive line uh, really hurt this week. Uh, they should get him back this week as well. And, you know, it's just your best players got to play well. And then, you know, the, the mistakes you have on special teams. Uh, letting you had a guy bottled up inside the 10 or the 5. I, mean, I forget where it was, but it would have been, you know, after you score a touchdown – and you go down and bury the guy inside their 10-yard line, and you have some real actual momentum in the game. Instead, he goes six, bounces it outside, goes 60 yards, and they scored two or three plays later. And then later in the game, you know, at halftime, you bury him again, and you're offsides. That's clear, you know, Mm -hmm. that should never happen, especially coming out of the half when you would think that Tom Allen gave the fire and brimstone speech and you're not focused for the opening half kickoff, you got to be kidding me. Uh, So, you know, what's your take on having a a players-led meeting? Is is this team on the brink of kind of falling apart? Is it sinking ship? Or is this the moment that, you know, maybe we talk about to turn the season around, get to that six or seven wins, uh, and you point back to, hey, this is the moment that they took uh, matters into their own hands, and, and turn this thing around.
1: Well, time will tell. We're not going to know the answer to that. I think both are realistic possibilities. Um, you know, Indiana, I think, still has uh, still has an opportunity to win six games. Certainly, um, I, I I understand the skepticism surrounding that possibility right now. Uh, totally understand that. Um, you know, I I. Still hold out hope, and that could be because I'm delusional. But uh, I, I do hold out hope for that. Um, as far as the players' led meeting, uh, look, I, the nature of college football is that um, you know things are very compressed, and every game is so important because there are only 12 of them. Uh, particularly for a, a, you've got your you've got your couple different types of programs. You've got uh, programs like. Alabama, uh, Georgia, Ohio State—you know your top top tier programs—which um, you know you're looking at probably uh, one or two losses—you know b- being the difference between successful and uh, you know failure for them. You know, are they going to be 12 and 0? Are they going to be 11 and 1? Are they going to be 10 and 2? You know, realistically, that's that's the realm of their. Their season each year. Now, a program like Indiana falls, you know, well below that. Obviously, where you know we are looking at success and failure uh, in the terms of are they going to be four and eight? Are they going to be seven and five, six and six, five and seven? You know, that that window. But really, it it does fall into the same where everything is compressed and you have your games you consider winnable. Uh, and when you don't win those and you have a, a little bit of a losing streak here, um, I feel like every program in the country goes through something like this. You know, Penn State, uh, I, I I would bet that they've had player-led discussions this week as well, or that they're going to. Um, you know, they've lost back-to-back games now, and, you know, for them, uh, their fan base is I, you know, look through some of their fan sites, uh, you know, they're questioning things as well, questioning particularly their offensive staff uh, and then their offensive play. It's it's a sport that is awesome because of this, but also uh, things have to be so reactionary because the sample size is so small. Um, so I, I don't think that a player's sled meeting or um it, things like that are reason necessarily to think that the ship is sinking or that, um, you know, you've you've got a a season on the brink. Well, that could be the case. That could be the case. I'm not denying that. Uh, However, I don't think that it necessarily means that it is definitely happening. Uh, I think it's a possibility. I also think it's a possibility that, look, this is a team that, has to figure some stuff out, and having a players-led meeting is a good sign of player leadership and that they're stepping up and taking ownership of this thing as opposed to just being okay with losing. You know, you could look at it either way. I, I am choosing to look at it as the latter. I recognize it could be the former, but I, I tend to think it's a good thing uh, when players take responsibility of what's going on on the field. Uh, and I do think we'll see a much better performance on Saturday against Penn State. Now, you know, IU could play a lot better and lose. That that could certainly happen. Uh, but I'll say this about Penn State. Um, I, you know, their offense in the last uh, game and a half has been very, very pedestrian. That could mean they're ready for a breakout uh, and that they're going to get aggressive on Saturday and really go after IU. But, um you know, their offensive line struggled on Saturday. Uh, they had a had a hard time with that Michigan State front. They had a hard time with Ohio State in the second half of that game, uh, which seemed like forever ago now, uh, with Penn State yeah. sitting with back-to-back losses. Uh, but, you know, Trace McSorley is a player that can hurt Indiana with his arms or with his legs. Uh, they have a much different attack than what Iowa presented with Indiana. It's going to be smaller, quicker guys that use going to have to track. Juwan Johnson, who's their big target receiver. Uh, Miles Sanders had a couple of very big runs against Michigan State. But really, their offense, outside of a couple of big plays, their offense was non-existent. It was really bad. Uh, uh, shockingly so, in my opinion. I, I just did not see that coming at all. Um, and, and uh, you know, their confidence has got to be shook a little bit because, uh for the first time in a couple of seasons, um their offense they're out of it. was unable to gain any traction. And yeah. uh and, and they're yeah, they're they're four and two and really the national the national picture has left them behind at this point.
2: They yeah, and they're at the it and
1: they're
2: they're out of the picture in the Big Ten East too. Uh you know, two yep, losses in the Big Ten East probably uh, eliminates them. They still have a trip up to, to Michigan and yep. a, a trip to, uh, well, they're the fourth team in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's not going to be easy. So it's it's kind of also a season on the brink for Penn State. Where do you go from here uh, in terms yep. of you have to face the reality of, sure, you could win out and go 11-2, and two, but you're probably, you're probably not going to the Big Ten title game, even if you do that. Uh, or, you know, do you feel sorry for yourself and take your foot off the gas, or, or do, do you get sure. mad? And, and it, it, I don't want to say Indiana and Penn State are in the same boat in terms of that, but emotionally they're they're in the same arena. Do, do you take yeah, what happened last fair. week and do you turn it into, you know, anger and aggression and take it out on the other team, or do you, you throw yourself a pity party and, you know, lay down the rest of the way. And, and you know, it, Penn State could go 10-3 and three or 9-4, and four, and sure, it, it would be a, a good season on paper, and there's nothing wrong with nine wins for them or 10 wins for them. Uh, but, you know, you have to look at it. This They hosted Ohio State. They had Michigan State coming in. you were schedule-wise probably in the driver's seat uh for the that Big Ten East title um you know brought back and it, Tracy it's sort of shortly. His
1: senior year. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's his, his senior, senior year. year.
1: You expect more. Uh,
2: yeah, and it just hasn't happened. Their their offense is is explosive, uh but this team really hasn't clicked. They probably should have lost against Appalachian State. Um uh-huh. they trans Pittsburgh, they beat Kent State and, and they beat Illinois, and, you know, outside of that. And they had trouble with Illinois in the first half. I believe that game was in the up until the third quarter. It was 24-21 Illinois. And, you know. Yeah. So if you.
1: They you, just ran all over them eventually. but
2: Yeah. Kent State's not good. illinois's not good. And and we'll see what Pitt does uh, the rest of the way. But those three wins, anytime they've played any competition that's been, you know, receiving votes or, or ranked uh they've had they went to overtime and then they lost. Uh so, you know, we'll yep. we'll see how they bounce back. You know, Miles Sanders has had an outstanding year. They're running back averaging 6.7 yards per carry. He has filled in nicely for Saquon Barkley. Now, he has he's not the all-around back that Saquon has been, uh but anytime you're averaging 6.7 yards, got seven touchdowns on the year, uh you're pretty good. Trace McSorley has been solid, not great, but solid. T- um, you know, when Peyton Ramsey has 400 more yards passing uh, than you and, and one more touchdown pass, you gotta you got to wonder what's up with that offense. And then K.J. Hamler, yeah, he's shocking. a
1: freshman. He's
2: it is. Uh, and K.J. Hamler, he has thrown it. I'll give him that. He has thrown it 80 more times than Trace McSorley. Um and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, and then you know, Penn State's defense. It, the defense is pretty pretty darn good. Uh, they haven't given yep. up you know, outside of Appalachian State in overtime, they haven't given up more than twenty seven points. Uh they they got um they filled some they filled some holes that they needed to at, at linebacker and defensive line. And, uh, you know, if I, if you can't block Sharif Miller at defensive end, it's, it's You know, it's, it's going to be a long day. Anyway, he's got, uh, eight and a half sacks and, and 15 tackles. So, you know, half of his tackles, uh, are coming for, you know, for a loss or for a sack, uh, and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's going to be an interesting game for sure. I think, you know, emotionally we'll see where both teams go. I, I, it's just not a good matchup for IU. It's it's not after you know maybe if they played well against Iowa you'd feel differently, but they put together uh, you know one of the the DiNardo, Lynch era uh, Cam Cameron era uh, stinkers, and uh, you know it's left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And you know can they can they channel that in and and, and prove people wrong and, and come out and put up a fight? All right. Uh, TJ predictions for Saturday.
1: Well, I here's in my head. Here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, I did not see what happening in Iowa coming, uh, and I did not see Penn State losing to Michigan State uh, after you know watching both teams multiple times. I so take what I'm going to say for what it's worth, which uh, you know, I mean, I know quite a bit about college football. I watched these teams a lot but it is such a week-to-week game, uh, and it's very important to remember these are, you know, 18- to 22-year-old young men uh, that uh, so many things go into what happens on the field. Uh, it's it's a great game. It's it's just incredibly hard to, to tell what's going to happen, but uh, I, I think Indiana's going to have a much better performance on Saturday. Uh, I think it's going to be good enough to give us some slight optimism perhaps heading to Minnesota uh, and, and restore a decent feeling about this team. However, uh, I think um, I don't see any reason to think that the offense is going to be able to put enough points up on the board against a pretty good defense to give Indiana a realistic shot of winning the game. Uh, I think you for some reason, I, I just – I don't know. I do not think Indiana is going to open things up on offense. I don't understand why not, but I don't think it's going to happen. So well, I think we'll see more of the offensive frustration where they put together one or two drives that are, you know, 11, 12 plays, resulting in a scoring opportunity, but uh, leaves Indiana with 17 points. I think Penn State does enough offensively uh, to get 31. So 31 17. Uh I don't think that uh, IU's defense will play nearly as poorly as they did against Iowa. Uh but again offensive struggles keep Indiana from uh winning it. But I, I think we leave Saturday feeling better than the team about uh than what we do right now.
2: Yeah, and that, that's hard to say about a team with a which what would be what would be a a three game losing streak uh heading on the road on a short week. Uh, i agree with you T.J. um my expect- i have no expectations for this game uh, via indiana nope. it's i i i don't i hate to put the meaningless tag on it but it is a meaning it's you know it really is a meaningless game for i u if you win it great that's fantastic but all that means is that you gotta win the next one and you have to win the next one anyway um even if you lose uh, so it's it's a, a game that you know you're looking for buy-in, effort, uh, maybe some scheme improvements and things like that. And, and if they if IU comes out and wins, uh, fantastic, great. I, I will be very very happy. Uh, but coming coming in, you know, the, just the feel after the Iowa game, I don't know where this team um, where this team is. is is going to be – I'm going to take Penn State 42, Indiana 21. Uh, it's going to be a lot of garbage time, I believe. Trace, it, it, this defense is is tired, gassed, uh, and young, and, and I think Penn State's going to come in here uh, very pissed off, and, and James Franklin has no issue running up the score on people and, and chucking true. it chucking it deep. Indiana's given up twelve touchdown passes in the last two games, uh, and it, it they might come out and keep it close early, but it, it it could end up like Ohio State, where the Buckeye, you know, where Penn State, you know, it's close for three quarters, and, and Penn State pulls away in the end, and you, you just hope that the team comes out and responds to to this senior meeting and responds to coaching and and works on things that they need to uh, and things like that. And then you just go get ready for Minnesota because Minnesota is now a must-win game. Uh, Yeah, going into a bye week, if you'd lost five, you know, the open week uh, losing five in a row, you're in bad shape uh, going in four and five. But uh, I don't expect Indiana to win uh, this week but I expect the effort to be there and the effort should always be there. And that's what was so disappointing uh, about Saturday was that the energy and the effort just didn't seem, uh, didn't seem to be there. So uh, 42, 21 Penn state is my prediction. Uh, TJ, thanks for for coming on the show as always. Thanks for hosting with me
1: and uh, we'll talk next week. Absolutely. Thanks everybody for listening and hang in there.
2: All right, that's it for the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Indiana kicks off against Penn State in Bloomington on Saturday at 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, hopefully the weather holds up and is nice like last week, uh, but we'll see. The game can be watched on ABC with Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and Todd McShay doing the broadcast. You could always listen to it on the IU Radio Network on Sirius 119, XM 196. Uh, Internet 958 uh, with Don Fisher, Buck Shore, and Joe Smith on the call. Anyway, that does it for uh, tonight's podcast. Thanks for joining us. Come back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football news. Check us out on Twitter as well, at, Indiana, or at Hoosier underscore uh, Huddle, and I will be happy to have you reading. Uh, thank you, and have a pleasant evening.
0: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to
2: experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.